Welcome to NSN Daily. Chris Murray, Alex Margulies, Anthony Resnick flying the plane uh, behind the scenes. I'm Brian Samudio. Uh, plenty to talk about today. Uh, we have a preseason schedule, guys, for Nevada men's and women's basketball, and it's only eight days early. So uh, cool. Uh, we're excited to, to have that. Shannon Kelly's going to join us for a little exploring our backyard. Uh, you know, usually when you take that trip to Vegas, guys, it's usually kind of hammer down, right? Maybe stop in Tonopah for a sandwich, get some gas. But Jenna and Shannon stopped along the way to smell the flowers. If, uh, or stop and get candy if you're Chris. Get candy, oh, yeah. yeah. You gotta stop in Beatty, right, Chris? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a long way. That's about an hour and a half out of Vegas. But yeah, you gotta stop a couple of times. I usually stop at Tonopah and Beatty. Those are my two places. I do want to ask uh, Shannon about, I, I hope I say it right, Socorro's. Is that the, the, the burger joint there in Mina? I've always wanted to stop there and it's like, okay, I need to be somewhere or I'm tired and I don't want to stop and I wish it was closer because I mean it's south of Hawthorne to go get a burger that's that, that's a long way to go but uh, I want to hear how, how good that is and Jalen Harris is going to join us on the show today former Wolfpack guard who's prepping for the NBA draft this week but first off let's talk Nevada football uh, Chris I'm going to hit you with this one first because you're you're the you're our crime stopper you're 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 the guy who really delves into a lot of the legalese when it comes to uh, things going on Nevada kind of basically announced Monday that they're going to be hosting San Diego State in front of 50 fans. Um, should there be a question mark? Nevada plans on hosting? I mean, it sounds like there's kind of maybe some some separation between state and county policies. Yeah, well, they didn't even really announce it either. I kind of forced okay. it on the press conference. I asked Jay Norvell if they were planning on hosting the game because that's been kind of an issue, uh, you know, with the 50 maximum gathering in Washoe County. The state is at 250, so a little bit of difference there. Um, and there's kind of in the October 1st uh, ruling by the state, there was kind of some fine print that said if you're quote unquote a performer at an event, you don't count toward that 250 at the time, which is now 50. Um, so the Wolfpack football players, I guess, would be considered performers or employees for this game. So they wouldn't count toward the 50. So I think everything is lining up for Nevada to host this game on Saturday against San Diego State. And I think that will be the final decision. Um, but they didn't go and submit a plan to the Washoe County Health District, even though the Washoe County Health District rules are a little bit stricter than the state. So uh, yeah, I think everyone can fairly assume right now that Nevada will be hosting this game. And I think you can make the argument that this is the biggest game in Jane Norvell's tenure. I mean, he's obviously had some huge games against UNLV and things of that nature. But if they win this game, they put themselves at 5-0. and oh. They put themselves in a very good position to play in the Mountain West Championship game. Now, if they lose this game, it's going to be a tough road because San Diego State would have the tiebreaker over Nevada, even though San Diego State's going to play less games in the Mountain West. Again, if you look at the fine print of the Mountain West tiebreaker rules. So a huge, huge game. Uh, it's basically a pick em right now. Uh, I'm really excited. It is kind of disappointing that this isn't a regular kind of game because I think you would have a sellout I think you would have a community buzzing it's a 1230 game the weather's supposed to be decent enough um, you know it's kind of one of the shames of playing through COVID-19 and Nevada being so good this season is you don't get that full community support but I, both sides are going to be super pumped up for this game and I think it's going to come down to the last possession too I think these teams are really really evenly matched. Alex let me give you a chance to address you know that the issue the the weather they should play, can they play, should they play? Where are your where are your thoughts in this? What's what's in your heart about this? Uh, like, should they be playing football right now? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're talking about how how many cases are coming through. I mean, California just shut down ninety four percent to to the purple tier. I mean, we were talking before we came on air that now there's a hundred lobbyists and lawmakers hanging out in Maui talking mm -hmm. about this. I mean, it's kind of just it's a case by case basis, and I mean. 
I understand with Nevada, they're testing so much more. The players are essentially in a bubble. And then if you can get 50 fans, you know, where, where are your thoughts on this? I, you know, I just, I don't really know. I mean, I, I don't really, it's not like my decision. So I just, I want to talk about the game. I want to talk about them playing okay. football, whether they should play or play football or not. I just, you know, whether we should be doing any of this stuff, it's just, it's so out of our control. And so that's not what I'm focused on, but I want to kind of piggyback off of what Chris said about the fact that this is so disappointing. We don't have fans because it would have been a sellout. And that's something I've talked with Jane Orvell about kind of off camera on Sundays when we take Wolfpack all access. I'm like, man, I'm like, how cool would this be? You know what I mean? Like this could be a season for you guys that could really change the program for 10 years. I mean, you talk about being able to get sellout crowds and you get that kind of buzz going, you get that kind of community support, you get that kind of financial uh, maybe support that comes with this kind of success. And, you know, of course he, he would love to see uh, that happen. And, and, and it's just a real shame that, that that's the climate that's going on right now. And it's very similar to what we saw with Reno 1868. They were the number one team out of 35 and, and, you know, hosting playoff games and, and yet they could barely do it in front of anybody and really didn't get to capitalize. And, and Reno 1868 would still be an operating franchise right now if it wasn't for what's happening right now in our country with this pandemic. But, you know, when it comes to football and this game, I mean, it's as good as it's going to be all season. I think you're talking about a San Diego state team. That's the number two defense in the entire nation in college football in, in terms of yards that they give up. And then you've got Nevada's passing offense. That's number two in the country in the way that they throw the football and Carson Strong and Romeo Dubs. And, and then you've got the run game with Toa Tau. I mean, it's that true kind of offense versus defense and, you know, which one's going to prevail. And, you know, ultimately for Nevada, this is just an amazing opportunity to make a statement to say, you know what, this, this four and start wasn't a fluke. Uh, you know, it wasn't because our opponents were a combined one and 14. It, it was because we're good. You go out and beat San Diego state and maybe you do it convincingly. And all of a sudden, they might jump into a top 25 or get very, very close. And I think they really will legitimize, you know, what they have done this year and really signal to the Mountain West and to the rest of the country that this is a for real football team here in 2020. Chris, let's get your take on that. When it comes to the passing offense of Nevada, before we get to some Jay Norvell sound on Carson Strong, passing offense of Nevada versus the secondary and defense of San Diego State. Yeah, I mean, that's a big matchup, but I think it really starts in the trenches. Nevada's offensive line did not play well last week, and they're playing basically the same kind of scheme that they saw last week against New Mexico. Now, I think that will help Nevada because now they've seen some of the blitzes that they could expect from San Diego State. New Mexico was basically using two down linemen, so they were doing some weird stuff, and they really did get Carson Strong uh, hit a couple times and a little bit frazzled in that first half. So, um, you know, I think that's the biggest question mark for Nevada's offense is can they hold up up front? Because I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball that much against the San Diego State defensive front I think it's the best defensive line in the Mountain West I still think Nevada's offensive line is pretty average um, so I think you're going to have to be able to hit some of these deep shots because moving the ball consistently on like a 10 to 12 play series I don't see that happening for Nevada's offense in this game and that's fine I mean if you can hit the 50 yard pass Romeo Dubs for a touchdown that's great and I think that's what gives Nevada the edge in this game offensively is that they do have more big playability than San Diego State's offense has I really think this game comes down to Nevada's defense which has been tested a little bit but you look at who they've played so far this season uh they've played two backup quarterbacks they played a quarterback from utah state who just got kicked off the team and they played max gillum at ucla or uh, unlv who just lost his job so they haven't played a legit quarterback yet and san diego state's quarterback chase baker isn't great 
but he's pretty consistent. And San Diego State's really been able to run the ball really well, and that matches up against Nevada's defensive strength of being able to stop the run really well. So uh, I think this game comes down to whether Nevada's defense can hold San Diego State to about 20 points or less. I think if they do that, Nevada wins. Um, I don't think you're going to see Nevada put up 30-plus points offensively because, you know, San Diego State has a great defense, and I think issues in the trenches. Um, for me, it's does that Nevada defense, which just looks so good, against a little bit better competition are they able to hold this team down against a little bit more legit quarterback so there are a ton of really fun matchups in this game obviously special teams will be big turnovers will be big that's usually what swings games that are really close like this but um you know i, I just think in the trenches and jay norvell said this yesterday the trenches are going to dictate who wins this game and that's where san diego state is always strong nevada's defensive line i trust i don't trust the offensive line quite as much so will nevada be able to hold up in those trenches and play really strong physical football up front all right, let's hear from Jane Orvell, part of Alex's conversation with the head coach, talking about Carson Strong on Wolfpack All Access. Mentioned Carson Strong. Uh, he set a Mountain West record, most 300-yard games consecutively. He had over 300 uh, last night, six in a row for him, going back to last season. Um, put that in perspective. I mean, the Mountain West has had a lot of really good quarterbacks. I mean, even Josh Allen, who, who is a, a first-round pick. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's a pretty good deal. No, he, he's, he's playing really well. He's playing at a high level. And, you know, me and Matt after the game, he was two passes away from breaking the conference record of consecutive attempts without an interception. And, and uh, you know, I think the record was 303 and he was 301. So, and that's something that everybody takes a lot of pride in, you know, consecutive 300 yard games, attempts without an interception. That means you're playing at a really high level that most people never play at. And um, we're just so proud of Carson. You know, he gets frustrated. He's so competitive. And, you know, I just got to I just got to gear him down during the game sometimes, you know, but but he's growing still as a player. He's light years where he was a year ago and he's still relatively young in his career. He's got a lot of meat on the bone and and uh, there's a lot of amazing things that he can still accomplish. Yeah, Chris, I'm with you on this, and I think Alex probably feels the same way. Once I saw the line come out and it was underdog, then it's even. I think this is a 20 to 17 football game. Could go either way. I mean, this this I think is going to be a tight game. It's decided in the fourth quarter and could be decided by by turnovers. Uh, guys, I always want to mention that we see a lot of these honorees come out every single year. Somebody's up for the Nagurski Award or the Boletnikoff Award. This is a big deal. Uh, it's not an older award, the Witten Award. It's only four years old, but Lawson Hall being uh, named to this and the only player Chris out of the Mountain West uh, to receive uh, this sort of uh, consideration for this honor. Yeah, I went a 20 semifinalist, so really cool honor for him because it's both on the field and off the field, and Lawson's already graduated. He's done a ton of community service. If he ends up winning the award, which will be handed out in February, he'll get a $10,000 donation to the Wolfpack Educational Fund Scholarships for his own school, so that'll be really, really cool. Uh, I hadn't heard much about this award before, but, but Lawson is more than deserving. I mean, obviously a very good linebacker, but great off the field as well. Alex, you get to know these guys off the field, and you can really, really see just how many of them grew up in maybe some difficult households at times, but they've risen above it. When you talk about Burdell Robbins and, and what he's done and, and guys, you go back to Zach Sudfeld, who was such a great ambassador on and off the field. And it, it kind of makes you just in 2020, it makes you smile. Yeah. And that's, it's in 2020, it's actually been one of the kind of, again, one of the disappointing things, at least from our job is, is, you know, we haven't really gotten to know the kids on this football team quite like we have in the past. And you're not around them as much to really get to, know their personalities. Lawson Hall has really kind of stepped into this 
this uh, spotlight role in the Nevada defense. And in a normal year, I mean, we'd have plenty of time to kind of really get to know him a lot better. And, and uh, that really hasn't been the case, but I mean, that, that, that nomination for that award speaks for itself. And, and uh, I think that's a lot for this football program to be proud of. And I think it's just another signal, not only is this team having success on the fields this year, but to have those kind of things as well. I mean, I think that's a lot to be proud of. All right, coming up next here on NSN Daily, former Nevada guard Jalen Harris tested the NBA waters a year early. Will it pay off with the NBA draft? Coming up this week, we'll talk to Jalen from Texas. Coming up next. Welcome back to NSN Daily and joining us from the Lone Star State, former Nevada guard Jalen Harris, fresh off the workout at the Combine. Jalen, first off, how you been, man? been good i've been um really happy man been busy you know just going through this process and you know just trying to enjoy it it's been a unique year but you know it's all been good take us through the draft process the draft combine process just getting ready for wednesday night's draft obviously it's been very unusual you were invited to the draft combine just didn't really get to go to the traditional one you actually did years Mm -hmm. of abs facility and you you really crushed it you were the only athlete in nba draft to finish top 10 in all of the athletic testing feeds so um what has this process been like for you as you try and kind of show your game to nba teams and how proud of you were you from what you did with the combine um i was really proud you know um this process in general has been like you said it's been different you know it's a completely different year than usual but um you know during this time i've been doing a lot of zoom interviews with different teams i've been talking with um you know, just people around the league. I've been going in and working out in different locations and whatnot, you know, just trying to stay ready, doing what I can. Um, like you said, with the draft combine stuff, uh, going into Dallas to be able to do that, um, you know, it's good, you know, going into the hometown, you know, my home city, going in and be able to perform that way. Like you said, uh, one of, you know, the only person in the draft to do that. And so I just think that, you know, that's credible to my, to the work that I put in and, you know, where I strive to be, you know. Jalen Harris joining us here on NSN Daily. You know, Jalen, Wolfpack fans are, are are used to the possibility that a guy like you who has that skill set turning pro a little early, saw it with JaVale McGee, saw it with Armand Johnson, and multiple players. Um, and, and I saw a very positive reaction from fans when they when they looked and said, you know, the guy's got to do what he's got to do. Uh, what was your main reason for turning pro after your junior year? Um, it was a lot of things that went into it. Um, me and Chris have talked some about it before, but I think, you know, just the opportunity that I saw ahead uh, after the year I had for one, and then, you know, how I feel about my game and about myself, you know, I feel confident. I've been uh, putting in a lot of work uh, for the past however many years, and, you know, I'm just ready. I feel ready mentally, physically, and, you know, I'm just excited to be here. You did have a couple of former teammates in the Martin Twins, some other guys I'm sure you know who have gone through this process. What's the best piece of advice that you've gotten as you try and prepare yourself to be a pro basketball player? Take that next step. Um, the best, the best advice I've probably gotten is to be where my feet are, um, you know, with everything going on, you know, things being with the draft, you never know what could happen Wednesday. Um, you've been seeing, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the trades and the stuff that's already been going on today. And, you know, it's just up in the air and you, you know, it could be a lot to stress about or to worry about. And, you know, for me, it's just focusing on, you know, being here, you know, in the moment, you know, doing what I can do to, you know, control what I can control. And so that's been the best thing for me. Jalen Harris prepping for the NBA draft uh, coming up this week. Uh, Jalen, in your time at Nevada, you got to play with uh, some incredible teammates and got to learn under some some really, really great minds of coaches. How do you think your time at Nevada prepared you to make this jump to the, the elite level of basketball on the planet? 
Um, like you said, just uh, just being around that that high level of one players and then the high level of coaching that's been here the past few years. And um, like my first year sitting out with a lot of vets with Kate, the Martin twins and the Jordan Caroline, all the trays and all those guys, the older guys, being able to learn from them, um, you know, the way veterans move, the way they, you know, operate and whatnot at that level. But then with the coaches like Coach Muss and Coach Alfred and guys who have coached pros, guys who have been around pros and been a pro, you know, been in that that environment who can, you know, they've been able to relay that stuff over to me, which has helped me with this transition for sure. In your conversations with NBA teams, I guess, what have you tried to impress on them? I mean, you're a very versatile player, which probably helps your cause because you can do a lot of different things. What are you telling them? You know, if you draft me, I'm going to bring this to your organization to the, your team. Um, like you said, the versatility is a big thing um, with different teams with the different interviews I've been doing. I try to, um, you know, emphasize different parts of my game to different teams. And so uh, if a team needs somebody who can be a creator, you know, I can do that. You know, I think that's a big part of my game. I can create for myself. I can create for others. I can play with the ball. I can play without the ball. Um, you know, I'm athletic. I'm somebody who can guard multiple positions and, you know, just has a high IQ, can do these things. And so I think, like you said, the versatility part is the big thing. Jalen, let's talk about the team that's going to take the floor at Lawler Event Center this year without you. They have to figure out how to throw 20 more points into the basket every <laughs> single game this year. They picked up some new faces. There's some, been some transfers mm -hmm. coming in. You know Zane Meeks thinks he's in range when he walks in the building. He's <laughs> going to get to see Big Warren right. Washington play this year. Um, how do you think Nevada will, will do this year? I think they'll do good. Um, like you said, they have a lot of new faces, but they also have some returning guys like Robbie and Zane and you know, Kane, those guys have been putting in that work. But I know uh, Dez and uh, Warren, those two especially, you know, being there with them that sit-out year. Like, I know how it is to sit out. So, I know they're itching to get back on the court. And, uh, you know, I know what they can do. So, I'm excited to see them play. But with the addition of Grant as well and a bunch of the new guys, like, I'm excited to, you know, see how good the team does this year. For sure. I mean, you're just like a few hours away from the NBA draft. How excited are you? I guess, what are your expectations going into the night? Um, uh, are you nervous? Are you excited? Just, I guess, describe your emotions as uh, one of the biggest days in your life approaches. Um, it's a little bit of both. It's uh, a lot of excitement. You know, it's clearly a little nerve in there. But, um, again, I'm, I'm confident in one myself. But then however it ends up, you know, I've had to, you know, I've had a different journey than a lot of people. And so, um, you know, I just, I fall back on that and, you know, that and then my faith is most importantly, but those two things, I trust with that, uh, you know, I'll be able to make do with whatever situation I get in, you know, so that's what I lean on. Jalen, before we let you go, got to ask you, I mean, every time we have somebody come on, everybody's dealing with quarantine and this whole COVID <laughs> things differently. How does it feel to be back home and what's the best thing about being back in Texas? Uh, best thing about being home is just being around family. You know, I haven't, I've been in college for four years or so. And so I haven't really been able to spend that much time with them, you know, just with my schedule and whatnot. And so I will say with the quarantine, thankfully, you know, I've been able, me and my people have been able to stay healthy. And so uh, for me, it's been a blessing just to be able to have this time and be able to appreciate them, you know, before this, this next transition in my life. I mean, I know Chris and I are getting home-cooked meals, and I mean, it's showing on me, but for you, you're training, man. I mean, is there a home-cooked meal that has to be your kind of your cheat night? Oh, uh, yeah. I have my mom. She'll make some uh, – it's called cube steak is what she calls it, but, you know, she, like, fries the, the, the steak or whatnot, makes fries, cut, cuts the potatoes, and does all that. That's kind of my cheat night. I enjoy that one. Just I'm going to say it doesn't uh, stick on him. I think you were, like, 4% body fat in your uh, – right? 
combine evaluations. Like that was uh, also among the best of those. Was there a mm-hmm. specific category that you were super happy with? I know you had the the best uh, vertical leaping <laughs> position in four years in the in the draft combine. Uh, if you do the max vert where you get to take a couple steps, you had the best in Wolfpack history, uh, 42 mm-hmm. and a half, I think. Um, is that the one that you're like, yeah, like I can jump, I, I can get up? Uh, I, I would say those, yeah. I think for me, especially because my dad, my dad's real competitive with that. He likes to hold it over my head. And so yeah, he was real bouncy. And so uh, I definitely, I take pride in that piece, especially. Yes, sir. Can dad <laughs> still ball a little bit or no? Uh, he likes to think he can. I don't know. We got to see. We'll have to see that. <laughs> And you, like you mentioned, I mean, you have gone on a weird journey. I mean, you weren't, you were a late bloomer, so you weren't crazy, highly recruited out of high school, really good mm-hmm. at tech, uh, take the year off, come to Nevada, have a great season. Um, you know, what, what is the path uh, meant to you just to get to this brink of potentially being drafted, just given that you were never that far five-star kid that everybody said, okay, that's a future NBA player from the time he was young. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, it's, it's been a unique path for me. Um, I played for a lot of coaches, a lot of different schools, and just doing these different things. And I just think it just gives me another thing to fall back on, you know, when I go to this next level. Like, a lot of people haven't had to go through that adversity and go through these these trials and these different things that I've had to overcome. And so I think, you know, some people will get hit with that at the NBA level and not be able to, have, you know, know how to get over it. And I think that's just something for me that I'll be able to push through because I've been able to do that. Jalen, I know we're asking you a bunch more questions just because we don't get to see you that often and we're excited to talk to you. Um, are you going to bed at night right now just going, somebody just give me a shot, give me a chance. All I need is a chance. And I mean, we saw it with Cody and Caleb, you know, give them a shot and they're going to, they're going to prove, you're going to be able to prove to yourself, hey, I can play at that level. Yes, sir. Definitely. I think, you know, that's you know a big piece. Um, Again, that's one of the things you can't control, but it's something that, you know, I'm praying about is just, you know, you want to be in a situation where, you know, you have that opportunity or, you know, you, you have people that believe in you and these different things and you can go out there and just show what you can do. And so, uh, yeah, I'm definitely, those, it's a lot of thoughts, man. It's a lot of thoughts that are running through my mind and thinking about this process for sure. Obviously the Martin twins got to basically play in their hometown. Did you grow up a Mavericks? I'm sure an NBA jersey is an NBA jersey and you'll take it no matter what, but is there mm-hmm. a- like in a perfect scenario you would be drafted by or be able to suit up with? Uh, I'd just say the hometown. You know, growing up, I've uh, been a Dallas fan. Like, you know, I was a big fan when they had Steve Nash and Dirk and Michael Finley, Josh Howard, all these guys. And So watching them, you know, as a kid, clearly that would be, you know, the dream to be back here and do that. But like you said, an NBA jersey is an NBA jersey. So, uh, you know, whoever takes that chance on me, you know, make sure they, uh, they don't regret it. Sure. You know, Chris, I am seeing the Cody and Caleb Martin beard game influence on it because <laughs> down here, I <laughs> got a little bit. I wish I would have had some more during the season, though. <laughs> <laughs> Jalen, uh, we wish you the best of luck, man. I'm really, truly hoping, and I, I believe that you're going to hear your name get called this week by an NBA franchise. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. We appreciate the time. That's Jalen Harris. We'll have much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. Chris Murray's profiles of scholarship athletes on the University of Nevada men's basketball roster continues this time around. You know, this was a fun kid to watch in his freshman year, Chris. Zane Meeks, uh, he's got the cool hair. Uh, The second he steps in the building, he thinks he's in range. I love the confidence out of this young man. 
Yeah, and he was really good as a freshman. I mean, a very good offensive player for sure. Can really shoot the three-point ball, kind of your prototypical stretch four. And uh, Coach Alford has said he's gotten into much better shape for this season. I think the biggest thing he has to improve is obviously that defense. We interesting to see if they play him at the small forward a little bit. Now, that's putting him a little bit on an island defensively. But um, certainly probably the best offensive player on the team and a guy who I think does a lot more in the post than I think people give him credit for as well. And I think he'll probably improve that area. So among the, the returning players for Nevada, I think Zane had the best freshman season uh, and probably has uh, the primed to make the biggest jump this year. Wouldn't be shocked if he was able to work his way onto maybe like a third team all mountain West team. He has that kind of capability for sure. Um, obviously some areas to improve, but he, he, you know, when you play as well as he did as a freshman, that usually bodes well for your future in silver and blue. So I think he's going to have a really, really good career in Nevada. Yeah, Alex, I know we both love watching this guy play and uh, smiling top of the key threes at the paradise jam and stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, I like, I love this kid. He's just a great personality too. I mean, he's 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 got that kind of infectious energy, and I think you can really see him developing into a leader of this team as as time goes on, and, and maybe even taking a big leadership role as a sophomore. And, and he's fun to watch. Uh, we know he can drain the three. I mean, they talked about him last year as a freshman being the best on the team when it came to pure three point shooting, and that says a heck of a lot considering uh, who else he was playing with. And you know, kind of like KJ Himes, I'm really excited to see what. Uh, doing work, you know, in the post with Steve Alford and Craig Neal and, and that coaching staff is going to do for him and getting better footwork and getting stronger and better positioning and better basketball IQ. I think, you know, he's another guy kind of like we talked about KJ, you know, these guys, I think he's got a very big ceiling and I'm excited to see, okay, we saw him as a freshman and he was really good as a freshman. I mean, we haven't seen a freshman come on and, and play like that in a while what's Zane Meeks going to look like as a senior? I mean, I, it, it could be pretty scary for, for opposing teams. And, uh, you know, kind of like KJ, I'm just really excited to watch his journey unfold and, and see year two. Chris, can you give me your projected, and granted, none of us have been able to watch practice, so it's much more difficult. What's your projected starting front court or rotation there? I mean, that'll be the interesting decision, right? Are they just going to play with the traditional power forward and center? If they do that, your two centers are Warren Washington and KJ Himes. I think that's a 50-50 call on who starts there. And then your power forward position, you have Robbie Robinson and you have Zane Meeks. Now, Robbie started almost all of last season. I would probably slide Zane in there because I think you're going to need much more shooting given the guards that they lost. Uh, and then you have DeAndre Henry, the freshman that we've talked about kind of, you know, right behind those guys. Um, that's why I'm interested to see if they do go through a, a three big lineup. Do they trust Robbie Robinson or Zane Meeks defending on the wing at a three position. And then you have Grant Sherfield and Des Cambridge uh, kind of as your two backcourt players, or do they stay traditional? And then minutes are a little bit harder to fight for. Uh, if I had to guess right now, it's probably going to be Zane Meeks and Warren Washington. I think those two complement each other really well because Zane can go and stretch you to the three-point line and then you can throw the ball into Warren and he can do some work and uh, have some separation and some gap because you have to defend Zane. So that makes the most sense to me. But certainly the Wolfpack has some options when it comes to its front court this season, which wasn't really the case last year. They were kind of operating from a position of weakness. Now that's a, a, certainly a position of strength in my mind. Alex, we've been a little sarcastic about it, but we finally got a preseason schedule released this morning. And, uh, you know, I mean, hey, at least they're planning on playing a season. Hopefully they do it safely, but the schedule is out. And I mean, there's, there's, there's some competition and some familiar faces on this preseason. Well, and, and we get to see what the full uh, Mountain West schedule looks like in this whole deal of 20 games and, and playing these two-game little series. And and so it all starts uh, in Nebraska. You get Western Kentucky and then somebody else out there in that tournament uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday. And, and then Lawler Event Center, Pacific coming to town November 30th, San Francisco coming on December 2nd. And then it goes from there. And then you open up Mountain West play at home on December 18th against Air Force. And again, 
this kind of strange little schedule they've, they've developed where you're going to play Air Force in two out of three days at home. You get Air Force, Fresno State, UNLV, Boise State, and Colorado State at home this year. It's, it's a very strange deal. I saw some fans were a little frustrated that Utah State uh, doesn't get to come to, to uh, Lawler after the, uh, what's transpired over the last couple of years with those guys. Um, but, you know, getting the Rebels up here will be fun. So, I, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. Fans probably won't be able to watch anyways. But, uh, yeah. you know, it gives us something to talk about. And, you know, I just hope we get through as much of this season as possible because it just, Chris, as we've talked about, it's tough. Chris, this is the only season where I think I can look at a schedule and go, great, Nevada gets two at the pit, two at Viejas, and two at Utah State. Uh, but there aren't going to be fans in the stands most likely. And if there are, there's, there's going to be dozens of them. Yeah. There was a little bit of complaining by Wolfpack fans that you have to go to three of the more difficult uh, places uh, in the mountain West, going to VA house, going to the pit, going to Logan, Utah. They also have to go to Laramie, which is 7,200 feet, but I, you know, just be happy that you're getting a season. I actually think it was a very favorable schedule for Nevada. They get UNLV Boise state and Colorado state at home. And to me, those are three of the five best teams in the mountain West. Now you're going to have some tough road games as well. I think in general, when you look at the schedule breakdown, you're probably not looking at an at-large bid. When you look at that non-conference schedule, you look at San Diego state, they're playing teams like UCLA, BYU, Arizona state. They have a much more beefed up schedule. Nevada, uh, you know, they've got some solid mid-majors. Pacific was pretty good last year. Western Kentucky won 20 games. Uh, San Francisco was a solid team, but you're not going to have any of those marquee kind of games so it's all about just getting yourself prepared for that conference season it's going to be an unusual season but um, as Steve Alford said on the Mountain West Media Days last week like he doesn't want to hear complaining about schedule because he just wants to get his players the opportunity to play as many games as possible and the Mountain West has at least put itself in a position to allow for that to happen now it's up for the teams to you know vote avoid COVID and do the right thing off the court but um, you know at the very minimum you should be able to see Nevada you know complete a regular season and um, you know I think it'll be cool these little series because you're going to have one game to adjust uh, you know uh, Brian Dutcher at San Diego State said you're going to see you know team A win by 20 points one day and then two days later uh, lose by 20 points because that's just the nature of series so I'm excited for it I'm ready for some basketball we're only a week away so that's really cool. Uh, one last thing, about a minute left in the segment, guys. I'll let you both weigh in on this. NCAA men's tournament will be reduced from 13 sites to one geographic area. Very likely all to be played in the state of Indiana, around Indianapolis. NCAA currently in talks with the state and the city to host all 68 teams in Indianapolis. Alex, uh, that's going to be a lift. Yeah, it really is. But it makes sense. I mean, I think the more you can kind of bubble – people in one place, you cut out the travel, you cut out, um, you know, the risk of exposure in a lot of ways. I mean, I think you get kind of people into a bubble and, and I think maybe you look at what some of the most successful professional sports have been so far in this deal. And you look at what the NBA did, you look at what the NHL did and they had very successful uh, finishes of their season and they were able to get through and, and, and get to their championships uninterrupted. You know, baseball basically got there as well uh, until you know, the whole Turner fiasco at the very end, but they still made it to the finish line. So I think yeah. it makes a lot of sense. And, and I, I think, again, I think like Chris said, we should just be happy if they get there and, and we get to play that. And, and however it happens, it, it doesn't matter because I think people just want to see basketball being played. Chris, we're running out of time. What's your immediate thoughts on that? I think it's just smart because then you're not uh, at the whim of local jurisdictions. If you have a regional in California and then they shut it down at the last minute, you're in trouble. So just put it all in one place where you know you're going to be able to play and hopefully you get there. All right, let's move on to break. Coming up next, exploring our backyard, stopping to smell the flowers on the trip to Vegas.
Welcome back to NSN Daily. Shannon Kelly joining us on the show, and she's got the perfect pendant for today, exploring our backyard. She's got her Nevada pendant. Uh, Shannon, you and Jenna Holland took the trip to Las Vegas recently, and of course, being the hard workers you are, stopped along the way and smelled the sagebrush. Uh, tell me about this part one of the trip to Vegas. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah, we stopped, smelled the sagebrush along the way. You know, it's kind of crazy to think how many little towns and so much history is in our state as you're driving from Reno to Las Vegas. Um, I've done the drive numerous times, but I've never really stopped to see what it's all about. Uh, and this was a great opportunity that we were able to do that. I mean, going through Fallon and then passing through Walker Lake. Uh, and then we made our first stop at Socorro's, the burger hut there in Mina. And check that out. Definitely one of the best burgers in our state. I think that statement holds true from everyone that we've heard that from and then made our way to Tonopah where we checked out the Tonopah Historic Mining Park and then checked out the Clown Motel afterwards. That segment will be coming a little bit later, but tomorrow I'm excited to show you guys um, about the Historic Mining Park. The standout, the thing that you'll remember most from your trip? I think most just knowing how much history is there and how much was at the mining park, so much silver and gold that's still on the property and that it's about 100 years old. So to think that that's just sitting there in the middle of the desert um, is pretty crazy. I mean, in fourth grade, you have you take Nevada history here, but I can't say I really remembered much of that today from then. So to be able to learn some more about what actually happened on that property is pretty cool. Shannon, real quick before we let you go, growing up in Southern Nevada, how much do you feel that Southern Nevada really grips that history of being an old Western state? I mean, Vegas is its own thing, but mm -hmm. there's so much history across uh, Nevada. Yeah, I think almost Southern Nevada is just, it's a little different, one of its own, I think, because Vegas is so big and with the casinos and all of the um, that aspect of everything that's going on down there, it just makes it so different that you don't necessarily get that true taste of exactly what Nevada is all about. Um, I think that's where I was maybe a little bit more so confused growing up. I mean, we had road trips or field trips to Death Valley. I remember we took one, but you know, that was different. I was like, wow, this is out here. I mean, you drive for miles on end um, anywhere you go. If you go on the 15 outside of Vegas towards Los Angeles or towards Utah and you still, you see nothing. So that's more of, I think, what Nevada is about because Las Vegas is so different and unique in its own way. Mm. Yeah, it's a wild state and we absolutely love it. Crispy and the, the Gardnerville native would say, hey, there's stuff north of Clark County, all right? There's a lot of rich history up here in the north. Shannon Kelly, thanks very much. We'll see you later in the week. Thanks, guys. See you later in the week. All right, we'll have much more coming up right after this. Welcome back to NSN Daily. You know, donating blood is, is important uh, in a non-pandemic year, but uh, joining us right now from Vitalant, uh, Scott Edward, who's the uh, Senior Donor Recruitment Manager. He may have the longest title that we've ever had on the show, Alex, but uh, maybe one of the most important ones. Uh, Scott, uh, how are things going at Vitalant? I mean, I would imagine right now you guys are facing uh, pretty much an uphill run. Yeah, uh, we are definitely kept on our toes since uh, June, but uh, the community here in Northern Nevada has been amazing. And I guess we're in the position to just ask for that to continue, especially as we go uh, into the holiday season. And, and, you know, last year we teamed up with you guys and we did this big holiday kickoff and, and we're here again and, and we're really just, you know, extended it to multiple days because we are dealing with a COVID environment this year. Can you just explain to people why 
you know, people donating blood is even more important than maybe a normal year. Like, what, what do you guys need the extra blood for? Like, explain like what the need is here. Yeah, and actually, it's just uh, how to collect the normal amount, and so it's just our our normal. Um, amount of blood that we need to keep on, uh, keep ready on the shelf. So all the variety of uh, blood components that we have, we have to be ready to go. Well, our ability to collect that because all the businesses have been closed down or the school campuses where this time of year, we would get one out of four donations was from the school campus, whether it was there on UNR or wh whether it was uh, at one of the high schools. And so the student population was really critical for us. And, and with that um, uh, ability to collect blood in the community reduced because of the COVID environment and, the, and what we need to do to protect ourselves during this pandemic, it's made it really difficult. And so we really have to leverage our centers and we have community drives that we go throughout Northern Nevada and, and uh, the Eastern Sierra. But, but yeah, we've been really kept on our toes and that's what, it's, there's not an extra need it's just keeping up with our regular need because because um, even though there's a lockdown, patients still need to be seen. We're still servicing cancer patients. There's still surgeries. There's still treatments happening, and so for that, transfusion medicine is is key. Yeah, to be transparent, this isn't just a Reno blood drive. It's Reno, Sparks, Carson, all of Northern Nevada. And it, this kind of drive that we're focusing on goes through Wednesday. But there's always a need. You can always donate blood. Uh, Scott, I would imagine the average person, uh, maybe right now, people are scared to go sometimes go get groceries. Uh, what safety measures are you taking? And, and can you explain to people that it is safe to go donate blood right now? Yeah, we definitely want to make sure somebody's comfortable coming to visit us. And so uh, before you can come into the building, you know, you need to make sure you're wearing your mask. Uh, we do a temperature check. There's a series of questions that we that we asked them see what your exposure rate is and uh, social distancing. So the reason why this isn't a one day blood drive and it's turned into a three or four day, we will probably add slots on Thursday too, just to absorb the people's response um, is, is so that we can distance it out. And so that social distancing and keeping everything, um, you know, in, in, in that making everything clean and then spacing everything out is our key elements. But to be really transparent, um, um, if you are uncomfortable and if you're older or you're at risk, um, that's in those categories, you know, maybe wait and we could, we'll see you at, an, at another time. And so we, it's a personal choice, uh, but we, we've been doing this since June and we keep a very clean and safe environment with many precautions. No, Scott, actually, <clears throat> I decided to give blood, uh, I want to say it was maybe a month and a half ago. And, um, you know, one of the reasons, of course, is I wanted to donate blood, but I was also encouraged to because uh, at the time, and I was going to ask you if you're still doing this, but I know that they were able to analyze my blood for COVID uh, antibodies. And that was something I was really curious about because I'd done a couple of tests and I, and I came back negative. You know, I maybe suspected I was not, you know, everyone kind of feels like you're not feeling well at certain points during this whole thing. And it kind of gets in your head. And so I was like, oh, I want to see if I've got the antibodies in it. I, and I didn't, you know, so I, I guess I, you know, at that point I wasn't infected ever, but is that something, even the people at the blood drives, like, are, is your blood going to be analyzed for that as well? Yeah, we are still checking what the, we call it the status. What is your COVID-19 status? Do you, uh, were you ever positive? Do you still have those ana antibodies? And if you do um, test a positive for having the antibodies, COVID-19, meaning that you had it and, and uh, recovered from it, we'll, 
there's a, that you can go to vitalent.org and fill out a form and 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 be, and look into becoming a potential what's called a convalescent plasma donor, and that is a special plasma that we've been collecting uh, since early summer, where um, where patients that are dealing with COVID nineteen can get a transfusion of this plasma that has the antibodies in it, and it, and and uh, it's an investigational. Um, status, but it's it's very promising, and there's a lot of belief that it helps uh, COVID patients. So uh, many hospitals are coordinating with the right talent uh, throughout the country. Here in Northern Nevada, our sister centers over in the Bay and uh, Sacramento. We've been working together to make sure we have this plasma for our patients. Well, Alex, don't you have a rare blood type in the first place? No, it wasn't rare. I think I'm like O positive, which means okay. I, I think because they, they, I was, I'm actually trying to get in there again to do a plasma donation because they're asking, you know, that my blood is, I think it's, that's the most widespread, right? Like you can, everyone can take that because I think they're, they're looking yeah. for that one. Yeah. It's like universal. So right. it's the universal is O negative, but O positive means all the other positive blood types can get it. And, uh, and it is most common but it's also the most commonly transfused so we we always want to have o positive on the shelf so yeah that's probably why it popped up when when they were talking with <laughs> the See, i always knew alex could get along with everybody <laughs> all right scott before we had you on uh, on the show you you showed us a little swag a little wolfpack swag what do you got going yeah yeah so uh we have uh you know a little nevada pride shirt that we're giving away this week uh for anybody that's wanting to donate so bleed you know this time to bleed silver and blue and and it you know that really kind of symbolizes just um you know our spirit that we have in here in northern nevada so this shirt's been really popular so we bring it back each year god before we let you go what are the hours and your location in reno is still on terminal right yeah so we're here um and we have our reno center spark center and carson city here in reno it's uh, uh where we have extra hours it's 1125 terminal way but go to vitalent.org and 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 look at the different hours because we basically have a variety of hours and times throughout the week, and uh, and it's a holiday kickoff. So basically now until the rest of the year, we're really are promoting, and this is what this event is: is to raise awareness that the holidays we do need uh, people to take that extra effort. And this year, it's just magnified with just how um just change the environment is. And uh, so if we just keep rallying like everybody's been doing for us in this community um, to the end of the year. That will put us in a good position. Scott, we appreciate the time and appreciate what you guys are all doing over there. Blood's one of those things you don't, maybe it's an afterthought until you need it. And uh, you know, it's, it's given the gift of life and you can do it right here in the middle of a pandemic. Scott, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it guys, take care. Right, we'll have much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. Want to make a quick correction. Shannon said Thursday for Exploring Our Backyard. That is actually going to be on Friday's show. For Chris Murray and Anthony Resnick, I'm Brian Samudio. We'll see you next time.